0: Backyard Green Films is proud to present this episode of Agriculture, with your host, Alara Bowman. Alara and her husband, Rick, travel throughout the land in their travel trailer, which they have nicknamed Bessie, bringing you stories about their travels and the people they meet. They visit farmers, ranchers, and just about anyone who loves putting their hands in the dirt or their feet in stirrups. In those travels, they have gotten to meet some very interesting people. Here's one of those interviews.
1: Hi, this is Alara. Welcome back to our podcast. We're back from our annual trip to Rhinebeck, New York. Mostly back from New York. Partially back? Well, okay. to be completely honest, all of us are about halfway back from our adventure, which turned out to be a little bit more of a bowman left than usual, as you might be able to tell from the sound of my nose. But let me start from the beginning. If you follow us regularly, you know that every year, one of our favorite events to cover is the New York State Sheep and Wool Festival, commonly known in the fiber world as Rhinebeck. This is a wonderful event, and it's not just because the leaves back east are often at their peak in October. Although, this year was no exception to that particular glory. Everywhere you looked, the trees were covered in orange and red and yellow. And there was enough of a breeze to give us a gentle, multicolored rain of leaves the whole time we were there. The show was fabulous. The scenery was beautiful. And I spent too much money on fiber products again. But I wouldn't miss it for the world. Go at least once in your life if you can. But the show itself is an amazing combination of animals, fibers, people, and art, among other things. Rick and I expected to have a little bit of an interesting time this year anyway. First of all, almost all the events around the globe are back up to speed after the last few years of shutdowns and slowdowns, so we knew it was going to be busy at Rhinebeck. Things are usually pretty crazy for us when we go on location anyway, because we usually grab the camera and the mics and we run around from dawn till dusk talking to people for our podcast and our YouTube channel and whatever 457 projects we have going. It's usually lots of fun and lots of work, and it leaves us happy and exhausted. But this year, it was particularly interesting because we thought it might be a really positive thing to live stream the event, and lo and behold, the powers that be kindly said yes. We grabbed our extended crew and we made our way east, Now, life can get interesting when you're covering festivals like this because, first of all, most agricultural locations do not have really fast internet that's easily available. This goes for the really big locations and the little teeny ones. And to make it more challenging, when you're wandering along that area of the Hudson River, you will find many things. Beautiful views, fantastic farm-to-table food, and truly nice people. But good internet or a cell connection will not be on the list. But the really big thing is that live streaming not only requires a really solid hardware connection, but it's also a bit of a logistical dance. There are lots of moving parts, and there's a lot of preparation ahead of time, and there's additional gear and additional people, and, okay, well, you get the picture. We have a great crew for this specialty, though, and they were stellar. To add to our blessings, Nena. The headmistress in charge of the festival really came through for us in working out the kinks in the internet connection thing. And we were able to book along throughout both days. Then, halfway through the first day, Rick got an upper respiratory infection and had to leave for urgent care. Yes, one of the biggest events of the year. One of our favorites. That we live streamed for the first time. And he left me. (laughs) Okay, so I'm adding a bit of drama here for a fact. Rick is mostly okay now. The live streaming worked out successfully both Saturday and Sunday due to the efforts of our stellar camera crew. This year, that extended crew also included two teenage interns who had initially signed up to be production assistants, expecting to schlep gear and run back and forth with coffee and food and data cards and make trips to the car for supplies. But after Rick left me, they both not only ran to the car, but they ran cameras. A big thank you to Luke and Emily for stepping up in a big way on this one, and to Luke's mom, my friend Christy. Absolute lifesaver. So, the festival ended on Sunday evening with a successful filming one, with the one exception of missing the second part of the Cashmere Goat Show. Rick, you only get a pass on being at fault for that one, because by that time you were comatose. But by Monday morning, Rick had company in the sick ward with me and one intern. After more time than I would prefer, we finally felt we were ready to travel and started the long drive cross-country to home. We all had ear infections to boot, so plane travel was out for us, but we consoled ourselves by remembering that the I-70 in a car is much better than that same route via covered wagon. It was a good thing we watched 1883 while we were sick, so we could remember how good we had it along the Oregon Trail through Nebraska. We made it home, though, and all of us are mostly back to normal now. Except Rick says he still can't hear me. I think he's faking that one, but I'll give it to him because my ear is doing the same thing. Well, that was the saga of this year's Rhyme Deck Adventure, and we hope that next year it will be just as juicy. Okay, maybe not. But I will say that if there are a bunch of people who are not only really fun to be around, but who you'd be willing to be stranded on a desert island with, it's the volunteers we were fortunate enough to be around at the festival. Fine, fine people, one and all. And if we ever decide to do a reality show, I want to put up cameras in the check-in office at the festival. They had truly entertaining stories. We'd get enough viewers to pay for the next film on that one, I'm sure of it. Today, we're bringing you a conversation that was the second most difficult to get in our World an Adventure in Rhinebeck this year. Not because our guest was unwilling, but because she is one busy lady. Clara Houlihan is president of the Board of Directors for the Dutchess County Sheep and Wool Growers Association. And she's here with us today, straight from one of the very busy vendor halls, DCSWGA. How's that for an acronym to try to remember, huh? And I think there were four of those big halls, Or was it six? Anyway, we made it to one of them this year, and we were very proud of ourselves for breaking away from the gravitational pull of the breed barns. On this one, you'll have to imagine us surrounded on three sides by yards and yards of rich textures and colors, complex designs of sweaters and hats, gaily patterned scarves and eclectic wall hangings, felted animals, knitted socks, buttons and blankets and skeins of yarn, and just about anything having to do with anything relating to fiber. Well, not just fiber, because on the other side of that same hall, they have the vendors that sell delicious-looking and smelling food. Coffee, jerky, honey, soaps. Needless to say, I had to keep my back to all of that during my conversation with Claire, because it's very distracting just standing in that building, let alone standing there with 30,000 people walking by. And yes, I did literally mean 30,000. My hat goes off to all of the people that make the New York State Sheep and Wolf Festival a reality. But I have to say a special thank you to the board of directors of the DCSWGA who were incredibly generous with their time for us this year. Every year, for a few glorious days, you make lots and lots of people very happy, especially those sitting in
2: an urgent care waiting room. I'm Claire Houlihan. I'm the president of the Dutchess County Sheep and Wool Growers Association, and this is our 42nd year of having this festival. Um, Our first year was basically farmers getting together and selling fleeces out of the trunk of their pickups and cars. And then we had a bread-use sale, so it was very tiny, and today we're expecting between 30 and 35,000 people visiting us from all over the country and really the world. I had some ladies here from Great Britain earlier and it's just very exciting especially after COVID that we're able to get together and celebrate everything Five.
1: Yeah there are enough people here to, to make it logistically difficult no matter what but it was impossible pretty much especially with as as much of a textured thing as this is. People want to get up and touch things. And, exactly. Yes.
2: We've had to put these barriers up uh, by our competition items because everyone is so dying uh, to touch all the sweaters, the skeins, and all the other submissions right. that we have.
1: Yeah, so COVID really kind of put a damper on it, but you're back up and at them this year.
2: Yes, last year, because of social distancing, we could not have this competition, but we did manage to have a fleece to shawl contest outside, and some fun timed contests like knitting with chopsticks and drop spindling, and so forth. But this year we have 185 submissions in our skin and garment competition.
1: Is that is that a lot compared to usual? It's
2: it's a lot. You yeah. know, people yeah. have been saving up their creations, and they were dying to show them off. So.
1: Now, you are president on the Board of Directors Yes. for the Dutchess County Sheep and Wool. Now, explain to me how that goes. It's the Dutchess County Sheep and
2: Wool... Sheep and Wool Growers okay. Association. And that's a nonprofit. We're a nonprofit. we're a 501c3, and uh, some of our missions, of course, are educating the public about our fiber animals and about what to do with the fiber from our animals. So our education committee um, every month will have either um, an educational, well, I should back up and say with, with COVID, we discovered the power of Zoom and we've been doing these online fiber talks for people who would like to have their own animals. Um, we found with COVID that people moved up from New York and other areas And once they were up in the country, they wanted to have a few animals. But since there's no 4-H for adults, they were looking for answers to their questions. So we decided that we would have an online Zoom of various topics and then we would have an in-person meetup where people could learn more about animals and their care.
1: this is a really interesting mix because the barns over there the, the I don't know what that's not a barn that's a shed that's a room it's just a monstrously large building and it has vendors that are selling products things like wool but also things like a little bit of pottery with sheep on it you might get buttons for sale all exactly. kinds of anything fiber related
2: anything fiber related there's plenty of looms spinning wheels drop spindles hackles uh, combs, uh, drum carters, all kinds of equipment that you would use to turn the fleece into roving and then into a finished product. Yes, it's
1: interesting. you mentioned the roving because one of the big things that we we actually came here yesterday, the the pre-event event, is the judging of of that of the fleeces, which was yes. fascinating.
2: It is fascinating. Every year we try to have a featured breed or a featured fleece. This year we had Corriedale, and some of the items in our competitions here were made with Corriedale. Uh, next year we decided to broaden it a little bit and just say natural colored sheep would be our focus for next year. I
1: like that because boy, are they come in pretty shapes, colors, sizes, don't they? Exactly. Yes, and textures as well.
2: Yes, we have not only wool for sale in the fleece sale, but we have angora goat fiber, we have alpaca, and you know many people come and they will just pick a new fiber that they've never tried before. Sometimes uh, a group will get together as friends and go in on the price of a fleece and then just divide it up and you know, see how that new fleece works for them. Well,
1: there's a lot of that group thing going on because people will, I've noticed the pattern that, I'll see a familiar pattern, and it's almost like everybody picks one pattern and then does their own thing with it. Yes. And then all of a sudden it'll show up at Rhinebeck here and it's the same pattern, it's just done
2: in different ways. But it's all a group activity. Everyone talks about the Rhinebeck sweater, which basically means someone wants to just knit something special and hopefully it'll be a cool day as it is to this weekend, and show off their finery.
1: Yeah, I, it is. It is amazing. I've been taking pictures all day of all the of all the people out here that are knitting, men, women, children. Everybody's oh, yes. wearing a, a sweater that. And well, most of them are. Knitting our, knitting. our best
2: in show item here is a skein that was spun by a gentleman, and also our best. A woven scarf was also knit by a gentleman, so people shouldn't feel like it's just the ladies who are involved in in fiber. And it's
1: any kind of fiber. It's fascinating to me how people can have a certain goal in mind for a sweater. This one might be a very dressy sweater and it's either gonna be maybe Merino or it might be a cashmere or something that's gonna be a little more delicate and dainty and And fine.
2: Some people are more into the outdoorsy. They'll want the farm sweater. They'll want the uh, Romney or the Shetland sweater. Yes,
1: but this is a great thing because you have the breed barns right next door to all this. And so you've got four barns with sheep and camelids, so you've got llamas and alpacas and the cashmere goats. And out in the back, you have a, you also have the goat uh, judging. So the yes. cashmere judging, we went out there. Boy, are those interesting
2: animals. And it's great for people to go to the breed barn and visit with the shepherds, learn about the different breeds of sheep. We even have uh, someone speaking about becoming a shepherd. We have another group that is concerned about BIPOC Farmers. Um, we just spoke with them. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. so
1: pleased. Yeah, yeah.
2: And we're also all about making connections. Um, for example, I have uh, a young weaver staying at my house. She has a booth here, and she has made a connection with a farm in Vermont, who also has a booth here. And now Tegan is weaving blankets, using wool from uh, Wing and a Prayer Farm. Oh, and now uh, Wing a
1: Prayer, Tammy. We've talked to her. We've actually yes. gone to Wing and a Prayer Farm. She does beautiful things with colors and natural, natural colors that she finds. You know, maybe acorns or berries or whatever. So every Mac- batch is a little different, and people and, line
2: up for miles for that. And we have workshops here as well, where people can learn about the natural dyeing, or learn how to spin, or to make baskets or a variety of other topics, different techniques of knitting, brioche, different crochet workshops. So there's a little bit of everything here at this festival.
1: Yeah, that I, that is one of the most exciting things to me is that it's not just knitting. So somebody on the way out the door in the office there said, oh, you're gonna be knitting here this time, and I said, no, and I'm embarrassed to say that here, but my mother tried to teach me to knit, and I, I can knit, but I go all the way across the row, and that's it, and I can't turn around, and I'm a purling as something else. <laughs> so if that seems too complicated for me, and yet I want to do something else, say I wanted to try weaving, which is also complicated Weaving thinking, is
2: a great, great thing to do. You could buy a rigid heddle loom, which is a portable loom, you could do it in your own Home, you can just lean it against your dining room table, and once you warp it, which is not a difficult proposition with the rigid heddle, then it's just easy enough to weave the weft. That's almost like
1: meditation, I would think, at at some point. It is, it is really. Yeah, yeah, that that, I always used to watch my mother knit, and she would just. Relax. You can see, um, when she'd go driving with my dad, she had to knit yes. so she wouldn't have a fit at the way my dad was driving, so she'd always knit and look we'll, down.
2: We'll have to get you on the spinning <laughs> wheel as well, because as far as meditation and relaxing...
1: Now that might be that is within my skill set, because you're still working with the fiber. It's still the texture going through your hands, yes. and it's still connecting with that thing. I love things of the earth, and so this can connect you with something in the earth, even if you don't go dig in the yard, right? Right.
2: Tomorrow we have a fleece to shawl contest we, are, we have some local teams and we have a team from New York City and they will compete in teams of five. What they will do is they'll take some clean, raw fleece, they'll comb it with combs, they will spin it on their wheels, the weaver will weave, and in the space of three hours each team should have a shawl that will measure 18 by 72. Oh, yeah. And so our judge, who is a very well-known and wonderful person, she lives in Belfast, Maine. Her name is Alice Seeger. She visits us every year just to do this contest. And um, the beauty of Alice when she judges is that she will tell the crowd exactly what's going on, exactly what she's looking for, and she keeps everyone involved every step of the way
1: when we were speaking to the judges over there and the people in that building, the knowledge that they had, not just about this product that's in front of them, but where the sheep came from. Many of them have taken trips to, you know, parts unknown. Maybe it's Britain, but maybe it's, you know, the Russian bloc. Maybe it's the, you know, the, the Arabian Peninsula. It's all over in in. And getting more information. I mean, some of them do feel what what would be the equivalent? Ecotourism trips just to go learn about oh, yeah. how some communities way up in the hills might do wool production. Yeah. it was it's just fantastic it's just education in itself. And
2: I would encourage people to join their local guilds. There's a spinning guild here called the Elmendorf Guild in Red Hook, New York, which is just north of Rhinebeck. And uh, many of us learn to spin spin from this one lady, Mary Kelly, who still lives in the Red Hook area. She grew up here. She's 93 years old, and she has probably taught half the people on this fairgrounds how to spin. That's just amazing. And all from the goodness of her heart, never charging, just enjoying imparting that knowledge to other people.
1: Everybody I met here is like that. Everybody wants to share, not for any... Ulterior motive. I don't. At least it doesn't seem like it to me. It's just a really beautiful thing. And I. And I. Here's where the philosophical part of me says it's all part of the weave, isn't it? We're all kind of a a little thread in the weave, and it's stronger because of all of us. I. I just love that. All the interconnectedness. Yeah. 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 So now I'm gonna go from that for a minute, and I'll pull out the piece of paper you gave me because I asked about it. Tell me about the Hudson Valley textile project. Just a quick little thing.
2: Okay. That. The Hudson Valley Textile Project um, is another fiber group that was uh, co-founded by Gail Parinello uh, from Cornwall Yarn Shop in Cornwall, New York, and MJ Packer, who owns the Battenkill Fiber Mill up near Greenwich, New York. And they were also looking for a way to make connections between producers, weavers, spinners, and so forth, and they were also very interested in promoting the New York Textile Act. So um, anyhow, their focus is getting more fiber assistance to New York producers, farmers, and to that end, they're looking to uh, start a scouring facility in New York, which we don't have at the moment. And you want to get your your fiber as clean as possible before you use it for a finished product. So that is one of their missions at the moment, this particular group. And they are composed of farmers, makers. They have teamed together with Assemblywoman Werner and Senator Hinchey from New York. Uh, to shepherd this textile act through and this way it will make more markets for, you know, fiber people.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's like a car. If you don't have the transmission, it's not really going to go anywhere. You can exactly. have every other part. Yeah. And so, I'm assuming that the average person doesn't always realize that there are very few mills left in the scouring facilities and things like this. And that's critical if you actually want to do anything. You can grow it all day.
2: Well, the the nearest scouring, I mean, I know a number of people are sending their things to Michigan or Maine or the Carolinas, but there's nothing here in New York State. And so that is what Hudson Valley Textile Project is interested in in, uh, promoting. They've actually ordered equipment to make this a reality, and of course they're always looking for additional sources of funding to to achieve their goal. Yep,
1: yep, So, I'm assuming Hudson Valley Textile Project was the thing that they would look up if anybody wants to be a part of that? Yes. Okay.
2: They have a website. They are also a 501c3. Excellent. Um, Battenkill Mill does have a booth here if anyone wanted to go and speak with uh, MJ or Gail. Okay. And, uh, in our brochure there's a bit of an ad so you could Good. refer to that. Okay. Um, Wonderful! You guys have a great website. You have a
1: lot of information on your website.
2: We do, and it it uh, highlights some of our other activities, such as scholarships for high school kids. We at the moment we have people going to school for veterinary um, uh, services. We have a young lady who's at Cal Berkeley. You know, we'd like to help these um, teenagers achieve their dreams and it's always nice to receive a scholarship, so.
1: Yeah, well, and with something like this, it can involve veterinary services, it can involve the agricultural um, end of things or the raising of the sheep. It can involve the business portion of selling and marketing the sheep. It can involve fashion industry or the social media marketing, all this. So there's so much that is involved and and that that can be really related to an event like this. And I know New York State, most people think it's the city and that's it. But boy, oh boy, is this an ag state. Huge agricultural state. So this is really exciting. Every year, my husband and I really kind of look forward to coming to this one. We really (laughs) enjoy it.
2: Claire, well, I really appreciate We you enjoy having everybody. It's, it's really a pleasure. And yeah. thank you so much for coming to visit us yeah, this weekend.
1: Yeah. We can all sleep for a week afterwards, right?
2: <laughs> That's for sure. Thank
1: you so much. Thank you. If you liked our podcast, please subscribe. This is how we keep going. And please ask your friends to join us. Please also feel free to post any comments or questions to our social media sites. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under Backyard Green Films. Thanks again for listening. We love to bring you this podcast every week. We visit places all across the country and even a few places outside the U.S., We'd love to keep doing this as long as we can, but holy cow, gas is expensive. So, we've started up a Patreon account. If you'd like to help be a part of the stories you hear, we'd love your support, feedback, and suggestions. If you'd like to make that financial support, please follow the Patreon links in our podcast intro for more information. Every little bit is another mile we can put on the road to bring you the conversations we hope you enjoy. We want to thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.
0: We'd like to thank Claire for joining us today. And if you'd like to find out more information about the New York State Sheep and Wool Festival, please visit their website at sheepandwool.com. We'll see you soon with another adventure. You have been listening to Agriculture with your host, Alara Bowman. Please tune in for more upcoming episodes from our travels. I'm Rick Bowman, your behind-the-scenes editor. Until next time. This has been a presentation of Backyard Green Films Productions, All Rights Reserved. Copyright 2022.